on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Snowy Central New York on ESPN Radio. 97.7, 100.1. ESPN Radio, Utica Roll. On the ESPN app, download that baby. Take us with you wherever you go. You're taking us with you in the snowplow today, right? You're taking us with you outside while you're shoveling the uh, feet. We're now in defeat of snow in uh, many places within the sound of my voice today, so... A shout-out to all those snow fighters out there. So remember, call Mr. Plow. That's my name. That name again is Mr. Plow. What's that name again? Mr. Plow. Thanks to all our great snow plow drivers out there doing their thing, both, uh, you know, that work for the city and county and all of our towns and drive the big old trucks coming your way. And just those snow plow drivers out there that are clearing out your driveway. Shout-out, baby. That's how we get around this place. It's almost like that storm didn't happen. So, of course, be careful out there if you are driving on the highways and byways of central New York. You're not doing much of that if you're out uh, east of Syracuse, Oneida County, and some uh, counties surrounding central New York and Onondaga County under a snow emergency. So, hey, just nestle up by the fire with your sweetie and listen to this sports talk radio program coming your way. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line. Is two eight eight zero six four four. We have got plenty of Syracuse and Clemson to discuss on the program today. Pretty big game at the Carrier Dome tomorrow. You knew that already. We'll mix in a few other things here on a Friday. We'll go on Bubble Watch as usual. We will discuss a little Syracuse football today. Yes, football, football, spring football. Not looking like spring out there, but it's a technically spring football. Right, That gets underway Sunday at the Ensley Center, so we will uh, get some football thoughts in there, a few other things as we go along, hot takes as usual, and you are welcome to join the party wherever you are today. So uh, thanks for hanging with us on this snowy Friday in central New York. Uh, We made it in. We're here. The office is empty, except for Paulie and Seth. Max is here. That's cool. We like Max. Max is here. Daniel Baldwin is here, although I, I'm sure leaving shortly. That guy's been working like 14-hour days doing this show and the Gomez and Lisa program this week. Josh is here but leaving shortly. And I think Rick DiIulio is doing his thing across the hall. Other than that, it's a ghost town. 
in this place. Galaxy Communications offices are closed, except for air staff and Seth, who's here. Oh, hi, Seth. It's uh, nice it's work. officially just me, you, and Rick. That's it? Yep. Oh, it's party time now. Oh, yeah. We're going to go crazy. We're going to eat all the ice cream in the freezer. There's ice cream in the freezer? I think so. Oh. I hope so. Whoa. We're going to eat whatever's in the freezer. I'll right? go I'll go look. I'll take stock. We can do the show with the doors open. Let's Doesn't do matter. that. See, the one time I do that, like, <laughs> Delio's going to walk by, drop an F-bomb, and then, Probably. then it's over. Probably. I've always wanted to do the show with the door open. Have you really? Or are you yeah, just kidding? Yeah, I just have, like, it's like you're living dangerously. You know? No, I don't know. See, like, back in the day, I used to do, you know, dumber things to get that adrenaline rush, right? Now I'm old and almost 40, and like that, I would get a kick out of doing something I'm going to leave. I'll leave the door open for you. You sure? Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, I think Aerosmith once sang it. We're living on the edge. Doing the show with the door open. Now I'm nervous. I'm really nervous now. I, I feel like I shouldn't be doing it. I can't do it! I can't do it! Close the door! Close the door! I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I'm, someone's going to walk by. They're going to do something stupid. And I'm going to get blamed for it. <sighs> it was very liberating to do that, though, for like 30 seconds. That felt good. I got to rush off of that. It's weird having the door open. I don't want to do that anymore. I no longer want to do the show with the door open. So we're having fun. We're we're living dangerously, man. We got the door open for 30 seconds because everybody's gone. And you know what that means for us. Holiday pay. Holiday pay. So anyway, a lot of you didn't have to go to work or school or whatever it is today, and you're just chilling, doing your thing, shoveling the driveway, having some hot cocoa. And we've got a big game at the Dome tomorrow. Hey, Clemson, welcome to Syracuse. Here's a foot of snow. North Carolina came to the Dome a couple weeks ago, and it was like 60 degrees out. More of their weather down there. But uh, good old Clemson getting some Syracuse weather. Kelly Gramlich is going to join the program later this hour at about 10 minutes from now. Or like 12 minutes from now. She covers Clemson. Does a great job on all fronts. Does a radio program down in South Carolina. So she'll give us the skinny on this Clemson team. And, And the skinny on this Clemson team that's coming in tomorrow. This is going to sound very simple and basic, okay? But this is what Clemson is. Clemson is a team that if they hit shots, good night. Well, thanks for that genius insight, Brent. Isn't that basketball? Teams hit shots, they win games? Well, yes, but there are teams that sometimes don't hit shots and have an inside game to make up for it. For example, when Syracuse went to Duke recently, and Duke couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat particularly from the three-point line. They couldn't hit snow on a central New York blizzard day if they walked in their own driveway. You get the analogies. A lot of water analogies there. We'll have to come up with something else there. But the point was Clemson has an inside player. Elijah Thomas is a great shot blocker. He can score inside. We'll ask Kelly about him coming up later. But this is a three-guard lineup. Marquise Reed, who had 22 the other night, When Clemson beat Florida State, he's averaging about 17 points per game. Gabe DeVoe, Shelton Mitchell, all these guys can hit threes. This is a Clemson team that is a big fish for the Orange for many reasons. Of course, Syracuse needs to win a game 
to stay in the NCAA tournament conversation, though the feeling is, and I want to stress this word, the feeling is that the bubble has burst. It's a big game, and it's the final home game of the season. And I thank these fans. I was listening a little bit to the Jim Beheim show last night, and he was giving you guys a big shout-out. He said the fans have been as supportive and as loud and as enthusiastic at the Dome this year as he has heard. And this wasn't – these are my words now, not his. But it was not particularly a sexy home slate this year. Like, you didn't have a Duke or a Georgetown come in. North Carolina was a huge game. The crowd was great for that game because they watched a great game. But let's be honest here. You haven't had the most exciting Syracuse team to watch in terms of style of play this year. So for the fans to get into this, sometimes, you know – you really had to, uh, I don't know, hit, hit the uh, concession stand a few times to really get into this thing, right? So big shout-out to the fans from Jim Beheim, and I'm sure they'll be just as supportive tomorrow, even for a team that we're all kind of, no one's giving up. No one has packed it in yet because weirder things have happened. But the feeling is, all right, the bubble burst, but let's see how they can go out here. Let's see how much pride they can finish the season with, if they can go to Brooklyn, and win a few games, and at least make Selection Sunday dramatic again. Because right now, Selection Sunday doesn't look that dramatic for the Orange. What I'm wondering is if Syracuse can get back to their bread and butter a little bit defensively. Because if Clemson is not hitting shots, they are vulnerable. It is really... And Clemson is another good defensive team. They're one of the best defensive teams, not only in the ACC... But in the country, they are at this point fifth in the country in defensive efficiency. But that is not something that should intimidate or scare away Syracuse because they have played in games like this. Now, the issue is Syracuse has become so limited. So, yeah, they played Virginia and didn't win that game, but we're certainly not intimidated by that style and that grinded out kind of play and they've certainly faced a number of teams this year then played a number of games that you know the scores are in the 50s and 60s so they can do that but you know Boston College came out the other night and dropped 85 points on you and and Clemson by a lot of measures is a better offensive and a better shooting team than Boston College is so can Syracuse do two things tomorrow can they get not even gargantuan performances from their big three, but enough from the big three to certainly keep pace with what is a good offensive team for Clemson. That's question number one. Question number two is, who's the fourth? It's like we're rounding up a golf foursome. We need a fourth. Nice to think about golf on a day like today in central New York, right? But Syracuse needs a fourth. I and mean, This is pretty obvious to say. They are struggling to do it. I saw this stat today, and I almost wanted to text our good friend Chris Carlson, who I saw present this stat, and say, you sure about this? But it's true. And the stat is this. In the last three games, Syracuse has not had a player not named Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, or Frank Howard score more than six points. Think about that for a second. In the last three games... Syracuse has not had a player, not named Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, or Frank Howard, score more than six points. They are desperate for a fourth to do something, anything for this team right now. 
And I think the most likely candidate is Merrick Doljai. Not that Matthew Moyer can't step up, get some quality minutes, but I'll believe it when I see it because he just hasn't been in a position to do that. I'd like to see Syracuse move the ball a lot better tomorrow. Even though when you're skipping it around, you know, when you get to Pascal Chuku in that rotation, it's dicey, right? But you got to move the ball better. You've got to give Merrick and Matthew opportunities to score. And Merrick is best kind of right in the paint there. He can hit that shot. I think he was certainly told the last couple of days to take that shot. I'm sure that he is getting a lot of encouragement from Tyus and Frank and O'Shea. Say, hey, we need a little help here. I mean, Jim Beheim admitted in his press conference after the game that the his guards are getting a little tired because they're being asked. And, and Donna, was it Donna or Chris? I can't remember who wrote the story on Syracuse.com. Pardon me for this. I think it was Donna. Wrote a piece about this today, about the minutes and the grind. And, you know, Jim Beheim has always been one to say, look, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. They're in the best shape of their life. There's enough timeouts that you can play these guys this amount of minutes. And I have always been one to agree with him on that. But when it's only three guys contributing – that is going to wear on you. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Dan and Dave, Olympic athletes out there. It's going to wear you down. Uh, for those of you of a certain generation, Dan and Dave, Google it. 1992 Olympic Reebok campaign. It was fantastic. I realized I kind of skipped the generation on that one. We'll have to quiz Seth if he knows who Dan and Dave are. Anyway, I don't care who's out there. If you're the only three and teams know that, and teams are focusing on you, it's going to wear on anybody. So we need a fourth, and Merrick Dolzhai's got to be that guy. Now, again, if Matthew Moyer would like to prove me wrong on this, if Barama can have a – you know, Jim Beheim said the other night he can't even jump, right? He is just grinding through at this point. I almost don't put Pascal in this conversation because I think we know Pascal is a guy who's going to get a couple of opportunities at the rim – Tyus will find him two, three times a game for that alley-oop dunk, but he has to be right near the basket to score. He's got to be somebody that grabs the rebounds right there. You're not running plays for Pascal Chukwu. So I don't even consider him the fourth, but if he'd like to prove me wrong there, hey, we're open for business. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We've got much more to come on this game on the upcoming weekend, hot takes on the way, some other things that will hit throughout the program. I do want to continue the Clemson conversation next, but from a Clemson perspective, we're going to talk to Kelly Gramlich, who does a terrific job covering all things Clemson. She will join us when we come back. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. It is presented by Agway Energy Services. Uh, great time to check out Agway Energy Services and their great website where not only you can learn about getting a $100 gift card, but cranking up the heat on a day like today, right? You get that bill and you're like, oh, mama. So why don't you look into our friends at uh, Agway Energy Services? I love hot takes today. Hot takes just has literally something hot being thrown at somebody. So what do you say we just get right in there, baby? We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Yes! Man, it's hot. 
How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the blog. Okay, now I'm going to omit something from the following sentence, and I'm going to circle back and tell you what this is. Because if you haven't heard this story... Fantastic. All right. So uh, Cleveland Cavaliers guard J.R. Smith earned a one-game suspension from the team Thursday by throwing, okay, fill in the blank. I'm going to leave this blank for now. If you know the story already, you're chuckling. If you don't, I, I think it would take you about 50 times before you would guess this. Okay, so I'm going to omit that for now. At assistant coach Damon Jones, multiple sources with knowledge of the incident told ESPN, including our friend Dave McMenamin. Ooh, it's been a while since we had Davey Mack on the show. we got to catch up with him. Uh, Smith will return to practice today, according to Cavaliers coach Ty Lue, and resumers, uh, resume his role as the starting shooting guard when the Cavs host the Nuggets on Saturday. Okay, so let's go back here. J.R. Smith earned a suspension by throwing what? What did he throw at a coach? Okay, well, he's a basketball player. Did he throw basketball at his coach? No. Okay. Did he throw a shoe? A shoe, perhaps? No. Um, a towel. Did he throw a towel? No. All right, so I'm I'm sensing this is not a basketball-related thing, right? All right, so let's get weird here. Did he throw, like, is deodorant? Deodorant. No. See, here's the thing. Do you know what J.R. Smith threw at his assistant coach to earn the suspension? A bowl of soup. That's right. Not from the onion, not a made-up headline. Both Brian Windhorst and Dave McMenamin, who have broke very big stories about the Cleveland Cavaliers. The latest on the Cavs beat is that J.R. Smith threw a bowl of soup. At a coach. So the fact that it's J.R. Smith, he probably missed. Waka waka. Now here's the big question. What kind of soup are we talking about here? Because I enjoy a nice bowl of soup like anybody else, particularly on a day like today. And it would take me really being upset to throw a bowl of delicious soup at somebody. Are we talking about clam chowder, lobster bisque, chicken noodle, minestrone? Is it minestrone or minestrone? Can I get a ruling on that? I think it's like a tomato-tomato thing. Think of all the pot. Was it chili? Like it was defined as soup, but we did not get what kind of soup. It. I need to know this. Come on, McMenamin, you're our boy, but you can't put that out there without finding out what kind of soup it is. And yes, I did not pull up the no soup for you from Seinfeld or any other soup references here because that just would have been way too easy. Not that we don't lean on the easy, lazy joke, but I just, I mean, come on. Now I want to look that up and play it. But did we find out what kind of soup it was? That's hot. And it's quite literally hot in that sense. I've got to know this. Do you know how many great combinations of soup you can make in this world. There's a there, we're gonna give them a, a shout out on the air today. There is a great spot downtown. There's lots of great spots for soup in this town, but soup our salads downtown. Oh mama, you want to talk about soup? That's the joint. I'm just what kind was it though? I gotta know. 
gotta know. How dare you throw your soup at a coach? Because that's a waste of food, J.R. Smith. Oh yeah, throwing something at a coach. That's bad too, but come on, man. You can't waste a good bowl of soup. Did you guys see how this Virginia-Louisville game ended last night? This has got to be the craziest thing I've seen in a basketball game this year and in recent years. Now, there's been some big comebacks and some buzzer beaters and some exciting moments in recent years in college basketball. So let's let's just rehash this if you did not see it. So there are .9 seconds remaining on the clock. Louisville is up by four. So to stop the clock, Virginia was fouled on a three-point attempt. So going to the three-point line, Virginia, you know what the strategy is going to be. You make the first two, and then you're going to miss the third to try and get like a wild tap-in shot, right, to tie the game. So Virginia makes two free throws. They miss the third, but there's a lane violation. All Louisville has to do is inbound the ball, and not only do they win, they get a win over the number one team in the country, and much like Syracuse, Louisville's on the bubble. But if you beat Virginia, you're in. I mean, you're in. That is a bubble-bursting win for Louisville on the right side of the bubble. Because we're talking about this, Louisville did not win. Let's take a listen. This has got to be a quick catching shoot. Jerome's going to inbound. He's got their Hall guy in Wilkins. Looking for somebody, anybody. Sends it to Hunter. Hunter catches, fires from three for the win. Oh, it's off the backboard and good. DeAndre Hunter with the prayer answered here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a dog pile. Oh, my. <laughs> my goodness. Virginia has just ripped the heart out of the Louisville Cardinals in the most improbable fashion you could ever draw up. How does that happen? There are 0.9 seconds on the clock. It's literally under a second. You're up by four. Now, because it was a lane violation, right, you can't run the baseline to inbound the ball. Louisville did not know that. He ran the baseline, and Virginia got that shot. I am so glad that I watched pretty much the last 10 minutes of that game, but I was kind of starting to fade and out. I was looking for some other things, you know, but then the game got tight. And I, I it is so much better. And I know we live in a world where, I mean, the gif of that, the video highlight of that is on social media within five minutes. But there's something about seeing that in real time where you're just like, what is happening right now? Never in my mind did the thought occur that Virginia was going to pull that off. I mean, who would think of that? You could sit around all day and come up with scenarios of how teams could lose games, and you would never come up with that, which is the beauty of sports. That's hot. That's the beauty of sports right there, because you would never, ever think of that. How does that happen? Justin Verlander, hey, let's get a little hot stove baseball discussion going on a 14-inch uh, snowy Central New York day. We set a record today, by the way. Oh, <laughs> good, yeah. No snow on March 2nd. We got that golden snowball, baby. Take that, Rochester. Uh, Justin Verlander is calling out juiced baseballs, acknowledging a recent study by 538.com that had baseballs from after the 2015 All-Star break examined. 
So scientists at USC and Kent State revealed that recent baseballs used last season were less dense. Now we're talking about a half a gram less than the balls used before the 2015 midway point of the Major League Baseball All-Star season. Now that's a very slight change, but that slight change could be just enough to make a home run be hit six inches farther. The study, coupled with previous research that baseballs began to change in other minimal ways several years ago, suggests that it's not just heavy hitters behind the striking upsurge in home runs. Teams averaged 1.26 home runs a game, the most ever, and that was by a landslide. To go back to last year, this is a big storyline to me this year. The pace of play thing has been prevalent in the conversations about baseball, and it should. But this, to me, is the storyline. They destroyed the record last year. The previous highest rate, it was 1.26 home runs a game last year. The previous high was 1.01 in 2015. Now, here's what Justin Verlander tweeted, quote, All I'm saying is I don't care if balls are juiced, seriously. We're all using the same ball, so it's a fair field. My issue is I don't like being lied to. I knew something was different. Century-old records are being broken and numbers are skewed. We all knew something was different. And the people you have to trust there are the pitchers. Justin Verlander, David Price, a few other pitchers last year just flat out said something's off. And these guys know. They've got the ball in their hand for anywhere from 80 to 120 times a game. The relief pitchers, I heard a few guys from the Red Sox say it last year, and some people I'm just forgetting off the top of my head right now, they all knew something was off. Now think about this. In baseball, that's all you have. You got a glove and a ball. Football, you got all these pads going on here. Basketball, you don't really need any equipment, but you can tell if the ball's not properly inflated. Hockey is a real interesting mix. You've got pads and a stick and skates and, you know, footwork and, you know, the puck is pretty standard, It's but, you know, they would know. When this is what you work with every single day, you know something's weird. And pitchers, particularly outspoken ones like Justin Verlander, That's kept saying that last year. So he's saying that, look, we're all playing on the same field here. It's not taking anything away from these players, but don't lie to me and tell me it's the same baseball. And they proved it wasn't. I mean, half a gram. Who notices that? Well, you know who notices that? Pitchers do. And it helps baseballs just get that much more over the fence that maybe wouldn't. That was a huge spike. So will we see a spike like that again this year is the question. Are they going to continue to insist the ball's not juiced or different or altered? If they go on another home run tear this year, that that starts to become a trend, not not a weird thing. So we'll see how that goes this year. Boy, this breaks my heart to bring this up, but I want to bring it up so we all can send up our, our thoughts and our prayers and everything for Jim Kelly. And, you know, if you've listened to this show for a number of years, you know how I feel about Jim Kelly. He's my all-time favorite athlete. I grew up a Buffalo Bills fan, and, you know, Jim Kelly is everything to me. So... Just to hear this broke my heart again, but knowing how tough he is and how tough his family is, they're going to get through this too. And I was reading a story that, so if you're not familiar, Jim Kelly's cancer has returned. He got a biopsy recently 
Uh, it's the, pretty much the same type of cancer he had recently. It's it's an oral type of cancer. I, frankly, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try, but it's it's a form of mouth cancer. And I was reading uh, on ESPN.com today, a few other places, that he is going to have reconstructive surgery in his jaw. It was really fascinating to read. So basically, they take part of your fibula and some blood vessels from your leg, and they can reconstruct your jaw. And Jim was encouraged by this procedure, which is going to happen pretty soon, I think either next week or two weeks from now, in New York City. And he thinks his quality of life will be better once this goes through. But to hear that that happened again, I mean, most of you know about Jim Kelly's life in some form, right? The cancer that he's gone through. And, of course, he lost his son and just all the obstacles that have been thrown in in front of Jim. He was the speaker at the Salvation Army dinner in, what was that, November, I believe? And it was just, I, I I thought I knew everything to know about Jim Kelly, and boy, was I wrong being in that room and hearing him tell stories. Oh, this is Bill Polian, by the way, ESPN analyst, and, of course, somebody who was in Buffalo at the time Jim Kelly was the quarterback as the general manager. For me, it was like a punch in the gut to hear that from a guy that you have so much respect and, and, and friendship toward. Um, but uh, he's Kelly tough for a reason, and um, he'll have a lot of prayers and good wishes from everyone in the Bills family, and we're still very close. This is a a close group of guys who all were together in the in the late 80s and early 90s. And if anybody can beat it, it will be Jim Kelly. So uh, he's in our prayers and thoughts, and let's hope God smiles on him. And all of ours, for sure, and all the Bills fans here in central New York and within the sound of my voice will certainly be thinking about him again. And something Bill Polian said there really struck me. Bills fans have certainly noticed it, but even if you're not, I think you have. Those guys that went through, and, you know, former players are tight on a lot of different teams, but there was something about those Bills Super Bowl teams. Jim Kelly still lives in Buffalo. Thurma Thomas still lives in Buffalo, right? A lot of those guys are still there. When they get back together, it's like they never were apart, and they're still friends, and they're still tight. Look how Buffalo rallied around Daryl Talley when he was going through some, some tough times recently, and... The family feel that's there. See, you know, as crazy as us Bills fans can be about our team and how obsessive we can be and, you know, we throw each other through tables and do all sorts of crazy things, the reason Bills Mafia is what it is is because we take the lead from these guys, the family feel of this team, and there's the blue-collar aspect of it and the loyalty aspect of it. And But just look how happy your friend the Bills fan was when they just made the dang playoffs this year. Just getting there. And they lost to Jacksonville 10-3 to in the mighty Blake Bortles. And we didn't care. Like, it was tight and it was close. And, it, man, we should have won that game. But, like, I was over it five minutes later because I just watched a playoff game. Because we should not, by given the results of the 17 previous years, should not be that loyal, should not be... Somebody who keeps coming back to that. But the reason we do is not only the memories of Jim Kelly and those teams, but the family feel that is around this team. So to hear that Jim Kelly's going through that again, every Bills fan, and you don't have to be a Bills fan. I saw every, uh, I shouldn't say every, but a lot of teams in the NFL sending their support. And you know, how could you not like Jim Kelly and want to support that guy? But when you read that and you're a Bills fan, particularly a Bills fan like me, and many people I know that are listening right now that feel this way, 
you feel like Jim Kelly is like an extended family member. And I know that sounds corny, but that I, I saw that the other day and it, it got real dusty in the room. So it's getting real dusty in the room right now, frankly. So Jim, we're praying for you. We're pulling for you. And boy, yet another thing, but he'll pull through it because he's Kelly tough and uh, Bill's fans will be pulling for him for sure. All right, let's take a break on that. No, we will come back. There is plenty of Syracuse Clemson talk to get into. It's a Friday. We'll go on bubble watch. Nebraska just lost to Michigan in the Big Ten tournament, so that's uh, somewhat helpful for Syracuse. The more bubble teams that lose in their conference tournaments, the better. We'll get to it all coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.